0: This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Good morning again, and thank you for being here. It's a lot different standing up here now than it was about ten minutes ago or whatever when you all were still sleeping. Um, I really don't know what happens at Oasis. Service starts at ten thirty. People show up at ten forty-five or eleven, but I'm glad you're here nonetheless, late or on time. Uh, you know, I, I had to get on my wife. She, she uh, put together a ladies' event this weekend. There' was about 15 or 16 ladies that all went to Arizona, and in that process, apparently, uh, like all of them decided to stay in Arizona, so I'll have to get on her and how she plans her women 's events and encouraging the ladies not to come to church on the following day. But uh, I heard that they had a great time, and I'm grateful that they are able to get away and just have a good time together. We're going to continue in the series this morning on Redefined, looking at God's purpose for the family. We're going to take a, a, a look at the biblical roles that God has created for us to have here this morning. See, the societal goal is basically this, and maybe it's not their, their announced goal, but it, it's. It, very much comes across this way, is that we're going to blur the lines to create the idea of equality. And this has been going on for many, many, many generations. But sadly, here's, here's the reality is, sadly, we, especially in the church, have taken, we've not taken it serious, if you will. To me, a, a large part of what we're doing with this series is is, is, is just for this reason. We're going to take back uh, the, the, the things that God has already designed, that God has put in place, that God has already ordained, and we're going to take it back from the society, if you will. Listen, we must be aware that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And there is no better place to start than in the home. No better place to start than in the home. We must be awakened to the lies that people are believing and the lies that people are spreading and sharing. Just listen to this statement. Listen to this statement. If this statement does not blow your mind, I don't know how to help you. but this statement is this: We can't destroy the inequities between men and women until the inequalities between men and women until, listen to this, we destroy the marriage. Robin Morgan. One of the foremost voices in the feminist movement stated that in the mid 60s, we cannot destroy the inequalities between men and women. Have you heard the word equality lately? Until we do what? Destroy the marriage. She goes on to say the nuclear family must be destroyed. No woman should have to deny herself any opportunities because of her special responsibilities to her children. Listen, I don't know where you stand in any of this. This sermon this morning is not meant to be political. It's not meant to just uh, speak on the feminist movement. It's not meant to do any of those things. But the, the sermon this morning is intended to look at the biblical role that God has given to you as women and to you as men. God has already ordained all of these things. I don't know what a special responsibility is to a woman that would take her away from anything that she is called to do. God's Word doesn't give any of those things. This morning's sermon is, it's our purpose in this series that we would look at the lies and then look at the definitions that God has given to us in His Word. And we're going to speak to those things. The lies of things like we just said, the family needs to be destroyed. Or the lies of the definition of marriage which we looked at last week that really can be whatever you want it to be according to our society today. Or that your gender is fluid and can be what you want it to be. Thus taking away the roles in which God has ordered them. What is happening in our culture is this, and listen, maybe this is, a, is off basis, but my belief and everything that I, I stand for is that what's happening in our culture is our minds are being trained against the truths of God's Word and how God has designed things to be, and we are not combating it. The church is standing idly by, and the reality is the church is allowing it to be in here. Take a look at these scientific results. See, I believe with everything in me that God has ordained us, God has built us, God has designed us, God has wired us in a specific manner. And I'm going to read some of these scientific results that are based on men and women. The first one is this, it's a functional magnetic resonance imaging of men and women under stress showed the neuroscientists how their brains are dif- respond differently in stressful situations. So apparently the functional magnetic resonance is a stress test showing something. I'm not one of them, so I don't know. But here's what it showed. Under stress, men, they increased their blood flow to the left orbitofrontal cortex, which suggested activation of the fight-or-flight response. In men, when you are put under stress, we want to fix it. We want to take it head on. We want to fight it. Or we get to the place and we're like, I'm not messing with it. We're gonna fight it or we're gonna leave it. Women. In women, under this same study, the stress activated the limbic system, which is an association, which is associated with an emotional response. This is a study done by the University of Pennsylvania. Simon Baron Cohen. Did a study showing that men's neurological wiring tended to make him more or make him better at systems, systematic thinking, fingers systematically doing things, while women are superiorly rigged for empathy. BMW did a study. You think the cars that you drive haven't been designed and specifically done so that it hits your thinking and your heart? BMW did a study. Using Oxford psychologists, and here's what it found that men view their cars as an extension of themselves. Men, our cars are an extension of ourselves, while women viewed their cars as a complete separate entity. Here's where that takes me. Men, our identity is in our stuff. My car is cool, my house is big, my boat is nice, my stuff. We are identified with our stuff. Men, when we get together, we handshake, we talk names, and what is the ver- one of the very first things that we ask? So what do you do? Our identity is in those things. Women, your identity is right here. Well, not here, in you. It's in yourself. It's in your person. It's the makeup. It's the hair. It's the beautification that you do. It's all of those things. So for a man, his car is an extension of him. Look at what I have. For a woman, it's just an, ex- it's an earring. It's an accessory. Because your identity is right here. It's in who you are physically. It matters. God designed us to be different people. Our brains are uniquely created by God. Men, you have about 6.5% more gray matter. I have no idea what this is. It's called thinking matter. Have you ever wondered why men have the dumbest random facts up there? There you go. You have 6.5% more thinking matter. I'm not a scientist. I'm just reading some scientific facts here. Women, you have 9.5% more white matter. Do you know what white matter is? White matter connects all of the pieces of the brain together. Hmm. Don't get mad at me, Mindy, when I can do one thing at a time and you can do 50 things at a time. God designed your brain to work together and he he didn't give me that. But it's how God wired us. It's how God wired us. That is intentional. That was a study done by the University of Missouri. A study from the University of Pennsylvania said this, the differences in the brain increase the chances of male and female, get this, is this weird? To join together. Hmm. Imagine that. God's design that men would be this and women would be this and our minds are created differently, but yet scientifically speaking under their research it said that those differences would actually draw us together. What did God's word say in the book of Genesis? That Eve was the helpmeet or the completer of Adam. God designed it in such a manner. This isn't some random thought. God designed it in such a manner. And listen, this morning, as we go into these different thoughts, we have to take understanding. One of these things that I really intentionally did some of this, none of these studies were from Christian universities. None of these studies were from a a Christian mindset. These were all scientific studies from secular universities. That are showing exactly what God's Word has said from the beginning. You are not crazy because you feel and you know that God said there was man and woman. You're not nuts! God's Word said it from the beginning and science proves it. And as we look at it this morning, we're going to look at all of these different things with the intention... Not at all. I, I'm not here. I don't want to be on the news. I don't want to fight the feminists. I don't want to fight this group of people or that group of people. That's not the intention. My intention is this. We are being told a whole bunch of lies, and we often do not do anything about it because we really don't know what to say or how to deal with it. God's Word gives us exactly what the role of a man is, what the role of a woman is, how our society should function, and we have allowed them to hijack it. And this morning, and in this series, Redefined, we are going to look at what God's Word has said those definitions are, and we're going to tackle it. So this morning, Colossians chapter 3, which is where we were last week, We will be again, and we're going to look at the same thought and the same statement from last week. If our families are to show forth the eternal love of God, we must have a biblical foundation. We looked at it last week. What was the biblical foundation last week? It was God. The Word of God. So now we're going to continue to build on top of that. Our biblical foundation is within marriage last week. This week, how do I play my part inside of that marriage? You might say, I'm single. Great. Everything that we're going to talk about today has everything to do with you just as much as it does a married male or a female. Everything. I promise you this series is not just for a husband and a wife. This is for every single person in this room. It's applicable for all. Colossians chapter 3 It goes through at the beginning of this, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things and so on and so forth. And it goes all the way through what we're going to put off, how we're going to put on the new man and all of those things lead us right to verse number 18, where it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord, fathers, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Father God, I ask you, Lord, that my personal preferences would not come through in this sermon, but God, your word would and your spirit would speak to each and every heart that is here this morning. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Women's roles, the woman's role is the very first thought this morning. As we look at this passage of Scripture Really, what we're going to do is I'm going to use Colossians as kind of a bouncing. Uh, We're not going to sit specifically on these few verses. We're going to bounce around. But the women, when we look at your role, we're going to start from the beginning. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He. Him, male and female, created He them. From the very, very beginning... From the very, very beginning and from the onset, of this, the onset of this sermon, I want you to remember, I want you to know, because you already do it, you and I were created in the image of God, period. Period. I don't care what somebody says about a bang, I don't care what somebody says about an ape, I don't care about any of those things. You were created in the image of God, period. In that, He designed us, He wired us specifically. Listen, our culture is trying to say women's rights and women's equality and women's equality and equality and equality. Listen, God designed us as equal beings, but yet different. That's how He designed us. Our culture has hijacked it to make it sound like it's some cool new thing. God's word is very clear how all of these things work and I got to be really careful or we're never going to leave this morning so I'm going to keep moving Genesis 1 28 says to be fruitful and to multiply so God designed a man God designed a woman and he gave each of us a specific role in the multiplication men you can't carry a baby why God designed it that way He created a woman to give child, for childbearing. He created a woman to nurture. He created a woman with more empathy. He created women in such a manner as that. Why? I don't know, because that's what he wanted to do. But that's how he designed it. Men, you have your part in multiplication, women, you have your part in multiplication. Two different people. Able to come through that, what God's plan was in 2 and verse 18 in Genesis. I will make him a helpmate. God created from Adam a helper, a completer, someone who was like him, but yet uniquely different with intention of completing him. Those roles are obviously different. There are childbearing roles that are, are different. There is a nurturing and a caring that a woman has that a man is not wired naturally to have. However... The worlds design for the women do not match that of God. And in keeping to, listen, if we were to adhere to the roles that God has given to us, we're talking specifically to women in this particular portion, but if we were to keep to that, we would be fulfilled. We would be maxified. We would be a blessing to the world. We would bring fulfillment to our own lives as well as ultimately bringing glory to God. We're going to look this morning at a passage of Scripture in Titus. In Titus chapter number two. In Titus 2, we're going to look in verses 3, 4, and 5. And I know these aren't necessarily maybe roles in the sense that uh, a woman must do this, a woman must do this, a woman must do this, and we're not going to look at those exact things for men either. But we're going to look at these in several different ways. It says this in Titus 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home and good. Initially, right off the, right off the front, right at the bat, it says aged women, so those that are um, older, it says that they would be reverent, that they would be uh, behavior as becometh holiness. That is a reverence about them. That is a godly character. That is a, a godly example. In Luke chapter 2, there's a perfect example of this. In verse number 37, Anna, who was a widow of about 84 years old, she did not depart from the temple, but what did she do? She served God with fasting and prayer night and day. She was faithful. She lived the example that she was supposed to live where she was. Again, women, you are, it's to be reverent, holiness, priest-like, a godly example. As you continue to read through this passage of Scripture, it goes through several different things there. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. It's that there would be a discretion there would be modesty there would be a lot of different things not given to gossip not given to slander not falsely accusing others it says the love the older would would teach the younger to love their husbands not because he is worthy but because you have chosen and you've determined that I will love him it's not always easy to love it's not always easy to love Sometimes you have to love in spite of. My wife is rough. I'm just kidding. No, you know what? I'm not always the easiest guy to love. I'm sure of that. I know myself. But we said till death do us part. And she's going to choose at times. She has to choose to love because I have hurt her or whatever it would be. To love our husbands. It, said to, it goes on, it says to love your children. Some of you would go, well, duh, that just kind of makes sense. It's part of it. But here's, here's the reality the largest part of this is the ultimate goal of raising children. We aren't called to love them so much, and I've said this so many times of late. We're not called to love them so much that they have a better life than we did as children. I had an incredible life as a child. My parents provided greatly. We were not wealthy, but we had everything that we could have ever asked for. I've thought of this. Have you ever stopped to think of this? What if I had to provide more for my children than my parents provided for me? What would that look like? I had 50 toys, so I have to get them 60. We didn't take $20,000 vacations. We only took a $3,000 vacation. So now I have to take a 5,000? What does that look like? Why, Why do we think that in our mind? Because our culture tells us that we have to do better. We have to give more. No, here's what you need to do. Love your children to Christ. That's your number one priority in your home is that you would point your children to the Lord, period. If you live in a box at the corner of the street, it doesn't matter. You raise your children to love and honor and cherish Him. And out of that, respect comes. Out of that, honor comes of your parents. Out of that, so many other things come. My greatest responsibility inside of my home is to love my wife. Well, love the Lord. Love my wife. And in that process, love my children to the point that they are pointed to Christ not to have them have a better car when they're 16 than I had, which would be impossible. Because <laughs> I had a 1986 Volkswagen Scirocco. Look that up. <laughs> we are to love our children to Christ. To Christ. It goes on. We are to teach the older would teach the younger to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be keepers of the home. So we're to, you're to be discreet, sensible, pure. This is in all manners of life, morality, modesty, not drawing attention to oneself. We talked about this probably about a year and a half ago or so when we looked at Timothy where they were wearing the gold and it says not to have braided hair. And so many people look at that and are like, what, I'm not allowed to braided hair? No, you look at the whole context What were they doing? They were going and they were drawing attention to themselves, typically in a not good manner. Listen, women, it's modesty. It's not to draw attention to yourself. We just looked at this. Scientifically speaking, our minds, your identity is where? In you. What is it natural to do? It's more natural that you want to have people look at you you want to look beautiful listen let me just share with you and i know most of you in here you know this i don't have to tell you this the more that they see doesn't make them love you or look at you more beautifully it's just reality it's discreet it's sensible it's purity man when you love God and God, you understand the love of God for you, you recognize the eyes looking at you aren't what you need. It goes on to say workers at home. Of any of these things, this is probably the most controversial, if you will. Workers at home. I believe with everything in me that God wired a woman to be the keeper of the home. As one of the commentators read that I was reading this this week said that literally this is a manager of the home. Why are women created with more white matter, which connects all of the connectivity in our brains? I don't know. You tell me. You know what I would I honestly would say your home. I was at home this weekend by myself with four children. They ate, not at McDonald's, but do you know what's not natural for me? It's not natural for me to set stuff out at one o'clock in the afternoon so that we can eat at five o'clock, and while I'm doing that, I'm doing laundry, and I'm cleaning and vacuuming, and I'm dusting over here, and I'm making phone calls so that the kids can go to the doctor, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. No, here's what's natural to me. Oh, Food needs to be made. Oh, crap, I didn't put anything out. I just said that. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? And all you guys are like, anyway. So, but that's my, that's not natural to me. If I did it every day because I was put in that situation, would I? Yes. I would learn and I would adjust and we'd make those things. But God wired you in a different manner than he wired me. And so as we look at all of these things, this is not saying, I've said this publicly, I'm not one of these people that says, women, you have to work outside of the home. I'm not one. Listen, if you stay home and you're able to stay home, praise God. Don't feel less of a woman Feel proud that you're able to be the mom and the wife that you are called to be. If you have to go to work because you have to provide in such a manner, don't think less of yourself. Do what you've got to do. Love your husband. Love your children. Be godly in the manner that God has called you to be. But in this particular passage, as we look at these things, it says that they would be workers at home. You are the setter of the tone, if you will, inside of your home. I am a firm believer in that. My wife has set the tone for how our home is. The structure, the organization of our home is set by my wife, not by me. The care, the nurture, the love, the, all the empathy, the things that are set in our home, when you walk in our home, the, the structure of our home is such... Not because of me, but because of my wife. And I believe that is natural according to God's plan, not because I just can't do it. I'm a firm believer in that. It sets the tone for my children. It sets the tone for me. Order is good. Structure is good. I could go on with that. Maybe we'll do that at another time. I know that everybody deals a little bit differently, but I find it, I'm a firm believer in order and structure. My kids don't tell me when they go to bed. They go to bed when we tell them to go to bed. Well, they're not tired. I don't care. It's midnight. You're going to bed. Hello. Last night, it was almost midnight. The neighbors were screaming in the neighborhood. There's times that we stay up no, you go to bed. There's structure, there's order. I believe in that. I believe that it helps them as adults as well. I don't get to tell my boss. Well, I guess I could. I, don't, I never had got to tell my boss, hey, I don't want to be there at 8 o'clock. It's, that's a little bit early for me. I'd really like to get there about 10. No, you clock in when they tell you to clock in, so therefore that's order and structure. It's great to have in your home as well. any anyway, rate, ladies, these are character traits, as much as anything, but this is how God has designed you to be, that you would be reverent, that you would be discreet and modest, that you would love your husband, love your children, that there would be sens- that you would be sensible, that you would be pure, that you would uh, manage and function and, and lead and guide your home in those, those specific areas. But I want to say this. In Genesis chapter 3, it says this, "...and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed." And this becomes prophetic here a little bit. "...and it, and shall, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." But it says this, "...unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception." In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Listen, I want to, I want to point this out for one reason and one reason only, and then we're going to go to the men. Is this? There's a reason why culture says there's a men versus women attitude. Here's why. In sin, God said there was enmity between man and woman. In sin. Eve never had a problem with Adam being the head of the home. Until when? Sin. Because in sin, there became jealousy. In sin, there became pride. In sin, all of these things. And it says that there was enmity between the two of them. And then it goes on to say, what? That in thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall, what? Rule over thee. Our culture has so jacked these things up that ruling is somehow I control my home and I tell my wife what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and what she'll wear while she's doing it. There's nothing in Scripture that says that's how we are to act. Nothing. But in sin, Eve wanted to usurp the authority of man because why? That's what we do in sin. That's how we act. I'm better. I can, you don't need to tell me that. I can do that on my own. And so, why do we face the things that we are facing this morning? Sin. Because God, in sin, there was enmity against the other, and now Eve no longer wanted Adam to say, hey, this is, this is, what's, this is, this is how we're working. Did Eve ever look at Adam when he was tilling the ground before sin and go, uh, you're wrong? No. Well, they may have. I don't know what their discussion was. But there was, no, there was none of that. It was perfection. She loved that he loved God, and as, God, as he loved God, he loved her in the manner that he was supposed to, and she desired to be under his headship. She desired that. Why? Because God created her in such a manner because they completed each other. It was in sin that that broke off. Men, I really should have done this different, Dan. We should have done like a whole service on just, there's so much. Oh my word, I'm hoping I'm gonna get done. Men, I feel like I've cut out like 20 pages of notes that could have been in there. All of these ultimately are looking at the reality that we are to abide in Christ and that Christ is the foundation of all of this. And so as we look at these things, both men and women, whether you are married or not, God would call us to be all of these things. But as we look at this as the head of our homes, which God has ordained, That isn't just that I can puff out my chest and say that I am stronger, I'm tougher, I am whatever it is. Here's the hard part about this. This is the most difficult part about this. Me being the head of my home is not because I can provide financially, not because I am the protector, not because I am all of the things, whatever, that we like to think that we are. It is that I am the spiritual head of my home. Adam was the spiritual head of his home. That's hard, and let's just be honest, guys. We have failed. We have dropped the ball. Men aren't even around in our culture. I don't remember the the percentage or the statistic of how many men are in prison today that have no father figure in their lives. It's staggering the percentage of men that are in jail who had never had a father figure in their life. It's staggering. How about if we were to go down the street and find the ladies that are walking along the street or find the ladies that are in the clubs downtown and say, where is dad? I bet you we would all be, we probably wouldn't be blown away, but the reality is men are absent from our homes, they're absent from everything, and that is the intention of the enemy, because if he can take you out, he can destroy everything else. Think of some of these things. Jesus said, men, this again, this can go to either end, either or, but Jesus said, follow me, follow me, that is to drop everything and come. Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, if anyone does not hate his own father or mother, it goes on to say, he cannot be my disciple. Peter was asked if, if, if he wanted to leave in John chapter 6. As so many people, there was floods and floods of people, and they were all leaving after Jesus had spoken. And Peter, Jesus looked at Peter, hey, do you want to leave? And he says this, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And I would ask you this, man, where else can you go? Your job God does not have the words of eternal life. Your things that you like do not offer you the words of eternal life. Nothing offers you the words of eternal life except for Him. Why then do we point to every other thing to give us the guidance and the structure that we need? We have left Him. And in that process, we have destroyed homes. Good Christian homes. People inside of our churches. It goes on in another passage of Scripture, as we'll see here. In chapter 2 or chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, men will be lovers of self, money, boastful, arrogant, without self control, brutal, haters of good, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And listen to this holding a form of godliness probably the most destructive of all of those things is holding a form of godliness why is it that 80 whatever percent 70 plus percent of children grow up in the home that were in church and never come back to church because the home led by the man had a form of godliness and when i came home i didn't care about church anymore the bible went up on the shelf collected the dust and on sunday morning i pulled it back out to go to church your children know that And that starts with you as the men, me as the head of my home. I am just as responsible, and I'm just as guilty as all of these things. Men are no longer men in our society, and really, if you stop and think about it, you're not even allowed to be men in your society. We wouldn't even know what to do if a true leader walked into the room. A true man leading in the manner that God had led. If Paul walked into this room, we'd all go, that guy's an idiot. Because our culture doesn't allow that. You are weird. I am weird. The family is being wrecked because we are not being the men that we need to be. The home is wrecked by the enemy attacking the men. And listen, it says all of the things that you want to hear. Yeah, go ahead. It's okay, guys. In the younger generation, it's cool. Hang out on your game system with all your buddies for the next four hours. Seriously? Honestly? That's normal. Normal. Men, our society tells us, the enemy tells us that all of those things are just fine. It's good to have my hobbies. Hobbies are great. But when your hobby is your life outside of work, it's not great. It destroys your home. You can't lead the way that you're supposed to lead. There's things, all of those, listen, all of those things in moderation are okay. Well, I shouldn't say all. Many of those things are okay. But here's the reality our culture is being wrecked because we're like, well, it's, it's you know, I'm allowed to be a child when I'm 45 years old. And our culture says it's cool, it's not. Be the man of your home. God's design from Genesis is that the man would be the head. And initially there was no issue as we just saw. There was no selfishness, no self-willed issues. They lived together to honor and worship their creator, fulfilling perfectly their design. Let's get to the word of God briefly. Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Men, do you want to lead your family spiritually? This passage tells me, people want to say all the submissive things for the wives are to submit, wives are to submit, wives are to submit, wives are to submit. submit, Great. Great. There ain't no greater gut punch verse in the Bible for a man than these passages right here. I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? How did Christ love the church? How did Christ love you? Sacrificially. Sacrificially. See, we love those that we feel worthy to love. They're lucky enough for me to love them. That's how we love God loved because he said all were worthy of his love. We don't love her, men, because of what she does for us or who she is, but because that is God's will for us. We often, listen to this, and I don't know, I don't know where you stand on something like this, but we often count the cost far too much. Is it worth it for me too? I don't know about that. That's going to, man, that's... I don't know if it's worth my time. I don't know that it's worth it for me too. We count the cost of everything. And I'm not talking just physical money. I'm talking time and everything else. We count the cost. Love reaches out. Love teaches. Love warns. Love encourages. Whatever is needed regardless if it if if help is received or rejected appreciated or resented love continues listen guys i don't care if she tells you you're superman every single day or not you love her and you honor her because god loved and honored you sometimes we get this we get this pride thing of she just has to tell me how awesome i am listen you're not awesome We're not. I'm a scumbag jerk. That's who I am. Fortunate enough that a Savior came and sacrificed for me that I could be pure and clean internally and have a hope of eternity. That's who I am. But after I serve my wife for so long and then she doesn't tell me how amazing I am, I'm like, you know what? This isn't even worth it. Why do I do that? Because God said to love her and to give yourself for her as he gave himself for the church. That's why. I don't care what the world tells you. We should not care what the world tells us. This right here is all that we need. Don't listen to the garbage that is out there. We have so gave in to all of the stuff. The last several months have been tough. You know what? Maybe divorce should happen. Are you kidding me? It's easy. No, God said to love her as He loves the church. Sacrificial love. He goes on. 26 and 27. And guys, if this does not... If this doesn't hit home, that He might sanctify... And cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Listen, a purifying love. When a husband's love for his wife is like Christ's love for his church, he will continually seek to help purify her, to sanctify her from any sort of defilement, from any sort of, uh, of anything that is unworthy of the word of God. My job, my job, my job is to love her as Christ loved me and in that process, I am a part of the sanctifying process of my wife. Man, that's crazy. I just said it. I'm a dirtbag. Yet a part of my Christ-like love, a part of me being a believer, a part of me following after Christ, a part of what I am to be as a husband, is that my life is to encourage her to be more sanctified, to be more pure. If I am to love like Christ, what did Christ do? Christ shed His blood sacrificially, which did what? It purified me. God's Word said it washes me white as snow. His love did that for me. When I said, Yes, I need you, that's my job. That's my job. And I'll be honest, I failed. Man, so many times, so many ways. I have not made her a better individual because I've allowed stuff in that is not protective of her, that is not purifying of her. We want them to be something that is not Christ-like so that it honors our pleasure. No, no, no. I am A protector in my home, not because I have a gun or because my muscles are bigger than the guy who's coming in. I am a protector, spiritually speaking. I am a provider, spiritually speaking. I am all of those things for the spiritual well-being of my home. Why? Because I need her to be who she's supposed to be, and my job is to encourage that in her. I said it last week. There's been so many times I've felt guilty because I haven't done it, and I've watched her faithfully every morning reading the bible on the couch and i've gone downstairs and i'm like man and i didn't do that this morning she makes me better hopefully i make her better god's word says that it would be a caring love a caring love we would love our wives as our own bodies He that loveth his wife loveth himself, caring. We should be concerned about her as much, if not more, than our own selves. We would strive to keep her from harm, just as we don't desire to be in harm's way. We provide strength, encouragement, comfort, and all things that we are capable of providing to the best of our ability, a husband's greatest motive for loving Purifying, protecting, and caring his wife is Christ's love. Purifying, protecting, and caring for his own bride, the church. Men, I don't know where you're at. All I can say is, the guy you look at, man, I've failed so often in that right there. Often. Often. Wives, submit. I didn't hit on that at the very beginning. Men, you want a wife who would submit to you and say, I'm proud that you're the leader and the head of my home? Make Godhead. Do some of those things. Love is Christ's love. Sacrifice the way Christ sacrificed. Purify your wife the way Christ purified you to the best of your ability. Walk and talk and do the things that God has called you to do. Listen, your wife, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, the lady that sits beside you desires to be led by you in a godly manner. Because why? That's how God designed us. the strongest woman in this room wants a man to stand beside her and to lead her. I'm not saying that because I'm some sexist of a man. I'm saying that because God's word has said it. God's word has said that this is how the order was intended and this is how the order was structured and here's the problem. We as men have not led so somebody had to. Somebody had to. And we've allowed our culture to say how that will happen. This morning, honestly, there's, I, we should have done two completely different services. If there's one thing that I am passionate about, it's our families. Because I believe the family is being destroyed and we really don't care much about it we don't really care much about the whole homosexual marriage thing oh well they're just two people that love each other it's okay and we just kind of brush it off again I'm not here to argue I'm not here to fight I'm not here to start an argument I'm not here any of those things but each and every piece of that Chipping away of the foundation is exactly what I stated earlier. Their desire is that marriage and home will be destroyed because they know that if the home is destroyed, then the breaking of foundation of every other thing in society is also destroyed. It's a part of the plan that they have and we just go, well, you know, they're, they're over there. They're okay. They're not hurting me. I'm not saying to go picket. I'm not saying to go fight. I'm not saying to make a scene. But here's what I am saying. We better be alert. We better be aware. And here's where it comes down to home. Is it's not what they're doing, but it's what's happening in my home. Listen, I can't control what Alan and Charlotte do in their home. I can't. Honestly, nor do I care. I do in the matter that I want them to walk in God. I want them to do those things, but I can't. What is the one thing that I tell my children nearly every single day? Don't worry about what they're doing. But they're not doing their homework. Good, then let me deal with it. Right? All the while, our homes are falling apart. But we're worried about what they're doing over there. Listen, don't. Here, here's where it's at. Right here wives let me ask you women let me ask you are all of those things that we looked at in Titus your striving goals i could have went to proverbs 31 a virtuous woman speaking of hard work and speaking of so many different things that are there within proverbs 31 But are those, is that who you desire to be? If we have no goal, where are we going? Right? We have them in our work life. We have them in so many other areas of our lives. But how about personally? Are you striving to be the wife that you're supposed to be in what we just looked at? Men, let me ask you. Are you the head of your home? Are you the leaders? I would say, hopefully all of us would say, I'm not where I want to be. But let me ask you, are you striving to be that person? I'm not perfect in my home, but man, I'm I'm trying to work on being better. With God being the foundation of that. Maybe I would ask the question of just, like I ask every week, salvation. Do you even know Christ as Savior? Have you put God first in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your search for a spouse, etc.? Man, I'm going to ask you this this morning as we go to close. Maybe today you would say, I accept the challenge to be the man in my home. You might even, you might even say, I don't even know what that means. but I want to be that. I want my wife to look at me and say, and I'm proud of that guy. Not because he works hard. Not because of all of these things, but man, that guy is growing spiritually and I've never seen him like that before. I want that out of that. Maybe you would say, "That's I want to be that. I really do. I don't know what that looks like. Man, we want to help you. We want to help you. Women, have you accepted that you're the, the keeper of your home? That you're the one who's setting the tone, that God has wired you in such a way to, uh, to, to lead in that area of the home, that you are coming alongside of your husband as a support and as an encourager and to, to do those things. Maybe you as a woman in here are sitting in here saying, well, I am the, I am the type A. I am the strong personality in our home. That's great. That's great. That's awesome. Maybe you need to say, God, would you help me to encourage my husband to lift him up that he would know that he is the head of this home and I'm willing to allow him to lead it. There's so much this morning. But as we wrap up and as we close, can I ask you, In a time of closing and as a time of invitation, maybe you would say that you don't know Christ as your Savior. Would today be the day that you would ask Christ to come to be the Lord of your life? But the majority of the people in here know that. And I'm going to ask you this. Would you, as a man, lead your life, your family? Maybe you're a single guy in here. And you would come and you would say, this is what I'm going to be as a husband. Maybe you're a single lady and you would say, I'm going to be all of these things because I love my future husband so much that I'm going to keep myself for that. But maybe this morning, you would just simply say, men, I'm willing. I'm going to grab my wife's hand and I'm going to go forward and we as a family are going to pray. And I'm going to say, I apologize for not leading in the manner that I want to lead. But today, I want, to, I want to take that stride. And you as a wife would say, I'm here to support you in that. Let's press forward. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.